Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Board Game Barbarians. I'm your host Andrew and with me as always is our Board Game Barbarian brother Justin. Yes, the at... Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. How's, how's it going? I, I was... I was... I was starting my timer as you were doing the intro, so I didn't have time to think of something snappy. So here I here I am. Here I am. <laughs> uh, I'm good. How how are you, Andrew? It feels weird because I feel like it, in this span between episodes, we've talked to each other on a multiple times per day basis, which yep. normally we don't. And we'll get into why. I mean, we're, we're still friends, like, you know, uh, outside of the contract we have that states we have to podcast together. <laughs> but right. but uh, it feels weird being like, how are you? And I'm like, the same as I was 20 minutes ago when we were hanging out and earlier today when we were talking and the three times yesterday that we hung out. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm good. How are you? How are things? Things are good. That's things good. Things are good. Yeah. I want to talk about the topics like in this in this beginning section, but yes, save it. You got to save it, and you can't mention it. it either because then it'll be a secret. Because no one read the na- the title of the episode, so nobody knows what the secret. Not a single person is didn't be. search for it. Don't look. It's it's spoilers. Uh, Just don't look at spoiler it. Spoiler alert! Oh gosh. Um, as always, go check out Justin's show, Retro Warriors. It is his classic video game podcast show. Uh, check out Cinema Rogues, my movie podcast with Guy, and then we both have a show called Talking Wizards. Yes, it's uh, exclusive to the Retro Warriors Patreon, and man, what a fun, what a fun, dumb show. It's a dumb, I'm just going to say it. it's dumb, it's a dumb show, but man, it's a, dumb it's, show. It's a good time. It's a fun, fun, dumb show. Yes, that's, that's, that's the tagline. What you've been doing? What you um, been, what's been up? Well, we talked Star Realms last episode, <laughs> and um, yep. Star Realms eventually turned into something else that we're going to talk about um but star realms got me excited about card games again and exploring card games again and i was looking at wise wizard games and their other titles um so i picked up some star realms expansions and different base sets so the next time we hang out we can do a bunch of star realms i also yeah yeah, we will (laughs) in addition to um and then i got excited they have another game called epic the epic card game um, and it really is just like, there's no nice way to say it. It's just a magic ripoff. Um, but like yeah. all of the mana system and resources and bullshit and stuff is all sucked out of it. And it's just, I don't know, apply a bunch of creatures and attack. Um, so it's not a very deep game, but it, it, it scratches that same kind of itch of like the way you used to play magic, the gathering in middle school where you're like, I don't know, I've got 10 worms 10 craw worms. I'm going to put them all in my deck with 15 forests and play craw worms. You know, like just back when your decks were just dumb and all they were was just like, I don't know, we're going to make a bunch of creatures that punch each other. Yeah. And uh, they both have digital implementations that I've been enjoying and having a good time with. Um, I also uh, was roped into some games of Magic the Gathering, specifically the Commander format with a friend over spell table um so i did kind of set up my my webcam card gaming setup again to play spell table with him um i wasn't dying to play commander but he, you know uh i have the decks and he offered so we, we we did play some spell table which works surprisingly well for magic the gathering for people that don't know it, it's the uh webcam recognition platform and software that hasbro purchased that will like it automatically scans your magic cards so nice. you you can like hover over your opponent's card and it pops up like the whole the full like the image so you can know what it is and what it does and stuff. That's really cool. 
Um, so if you are like me and just are not in love with digital card games, um, but tolerate them because you like card games, then Spell Table, if you like Magic anyway, is a, is a real good um, real good kind of in-between. Because um, Magic via webcam, I know a lot of people do Magic via webcam and they love it, but it's a little... It's a little too much for me. There's too much like interacting with each other's board state and stuff going on in Magic. It always right. gets in the weeds, and, and Spell Table really kind of streams streamlines that. Well, you know? now we need that for the game that we're going to talk about. Yes, one day. One <laughs> well, I mean, day. if Hasbro hadn't purchased the whole thing outright, then maybe. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what you been? What you been playing? I got I got a game of Rudin with my normal Star Wars RPG crew. Yeah, was this their first time playing as as a group, or had they played before? They've never played Root before. Like I know your wife uh, had played before because she I played right. with her, um, but everyone else was newbie. Everyone was newbie. We did uh, the uh, birds, the crows, the lizards, mm-hmm. and I was the otters. Excellent. So the Riverfolk Company, the Lizard Cult, the Corvid Conspiracy, and the Eerie Dynasty. Yep. <laughs> and how did it? How did it go? Because I will say, I love teaching Root. It's one of my favorite games to teach. I really do enjoy teaching it to new people. Like, how was that? I should have been the moles. Mm-hmm. The moles are great. Uh, According the, to the back of the book, like our matchup, I should have been the moles, and I also should have been the moles because who were you? Uh, I was the the river folk. Okay. Oh yeah, you said that right, right. And uh, <laughs> nobody purchased from me the entire no. game except <laughs> for twice. You can't do river the, the, of all the factions. They all do work fine in a, in a the first time you play, but river folk because it requires other people to understand your faction your first game you can't have river folk people just won't interact with them they're like i don't understand that i don't even understand what i'm doing so i don't know and they're just they'll just ignore it anything they're allowed to ignore they will i tried to teach as much as i could i knew how to teach the eerie dynasty just because i played them before right um and i sort of knew how to teach the crows just because i had this the half game that you and i played right um but i had no idea about the lizards i was just like read your board here's the little like here's the manual that comes with it lizards are weird because what it doesn't really spell out for you um it's funny because riverfolk and and the lizard cult i believe are both in the the riverfolk expansion the very first expansion of the game and they're the two factions that that i would steer people away from on their first go around because the lizard folk they didn't you just really need someone to be like hey you want to get yourself killed Get out there and get your dudes murdered, because then yep. you will prosper as the lizards. And so there's always those few turns where you're like, I, I can't do any of my stuff. I need these lost souls, and I don't know how it works. And then some people die, and everything clicks, and you're like, oh, that's that's the gas. Now my engine is running. I understand it all. I'm going to start throwing dudes. But there's always those first few rounds where they don't quite get what to do with it. Yeah. He was uh, he was doing really well. So yeah. he almost won as the lizard cult. Yeah. If people keep go. killing them, it they'll just they'll just take over. But uh, but Emily eventually won. Yeah. as the crows. Yeah, Corvids are so fun. They're so much fun to play. And I got about halfway there, and that was that was about it. Nobody would buy your shit. No one would buy it. Somebody <laughs> like towards the end of the game, they're like, "All right, I'll buy your stuff." Like, yeah, I need that. Was card. it out like, of pity or? No, they needed a card. Okay, I see that I had. But before then, like, no one used me for the river option. 
like oh, to no. traverse the river. To be no fair, I've never seen someone buy river boats from the otters in a game of Root. Yeah. Like never once. Even it's, on uh, the the lake map with the the mountain map with the lake, people still they're yeah. like, I'm not gonna no. I'll just go around. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh that was fun. It was like a three three, four hour game. Yeah. Um but it was a good time. And then the other thing that I've been doing is just our topic. So I guess we'll we'll get into it. We're yeah. going to skip news this week. Uh, there's not been a whole... I mean, there's been a whole lot of board game news, just nothing that I care <laughs> I about. I mean, you know, or, Gen Con happened. That's kind of the biggest board game convention in the world. Um, yeah. Or biggest tabletop convention in the world. I, I'm kind of with you, though. I've not been really following tabletop so closely lately. I, But, I, you know, in a way, that's what I love about tabletop is that... It, it's, you know, at any point you can just pause and play around with what you have and enjoy what you have and stop following stuff and then go back and cherry pick what has stayed the course and is still available from the last year where you weren't paying attention. You know, I, I think that's normal. Yeah. It's a normal thing. Well, that's what I'm doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, we're going to get into our topic then, and that is Flesh and Blood. Yes, the game, not... Flesh human composition it's my flesh and my blood <laughs> um i'm i'm so ecstatic to talk about this that i've i i actually i was like walking around my bathroom earlier yeah talking out loud to properly articulate my points that i want to make about the game like practicing oh, you're going that, podcasting that, that much into it well you know it's sometimes like when i think about an idea i'm like man i really want to mention blank on the show but I don't I don't quite really know how to say it so I'll just kind of like talk out loud to myself about it while I'm you know uh, uh doing laundry or whatever and right. it and it, it helps me kind of get to where I want to be with it so you know well good <laughs> so it should be a good show then I hope I hope so <laughs> um uh so Flesh and Blood is is a a uh, 2019 originally released. This is a collectible card game, a trading card game, whatever you want to call it. Uh it is a card game in which there are random packs. You purchase the random packs hoping to get the good fancy cards to put in your decks that you make. Um it has all of the traditional trading card game trappings. Um and I I I I did kind of commandeer the notes for this episode. Which is fine. Because I do want to specifically <laughs> talk about collectability and secondary markets. Um, because one, it is a thing that Flesh and Blood directly as a company addresses. A lot of times with, with trading card games, you see companies like Hasbro running uh, Magic the Gathering. And they go, oh, we don't acknowledge the secondary market. We don't acknowledge the collectability. All cards are Magic cards. But then their product releases don't reflect that mentality. Um right. Legend Story Studios, which is the New Zealand company that has put out Flesh and Blood, directly addresses these things. They're like, no, 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 we're aware of the secondary market. We're aware of collectability. This is how we're going to handle it. Um, and I do want to talk about it a little bit because I think being a primarily board game focused show, I, I feel like a lot of people in the board game space, um, you know, I, I feel like Anyone that's into collectible games is probably also uh, at least semi-interested in board games. But I don't feel right. like that's necessarily true in the reverse. I feel like a lot of people are into board games because 
it's a complete experience in a box. They're, I don't, they're like, I don't want to deal with the collecting and the chase rares and the opening packs and the constant product releases. I just want my right. Gloomhaven that comes in a box and it's done and that's the whole thing and I can play it for five years. And they'll never make any more of it that I have to purchase ever. later. <laughs> um, so I did want to kind of... Um, because I do like collectability. I do like collectible games. It's something that I enjoy getting invested in and excited about. And so I just kind of wanted to talk kind of directly to people that as soon as they hear, oh, it's a collectible game, they go, ah, not for me. Turn this shit off. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, because I also feel like, um, you know, as someone that loves collectible games, uh, uh, you kind of steer away from them. In a yeah, in a general I, sense, I uh, I steer away from them just because I get the the bad portion of it where I'm just like, well, yeah. I have to I have to buy so many boxes, right? Um, and in this, yeah, I, I can play. There's a format there's that I can play that I don't technically have to buy boxes to play that format. Yeah. So I and and we'll get into all that. I did want to first address collectability and how they're handling collectability. Um, when you if, if you hear this episode and you go, man, flesh and blood looks sounds fun. I'm gonna go try it. Um, and I, I I hope you do because spoiler, we both very much we both really enjoy the game. I think we both would yeah. say that we're having an extremely good time with it. Um, no, I hate it. I'm just indulging <laughs> you. Oh, is that what it is? I knew it. <laughs> you just tolerate me. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about collectability. When you first go look it up, the first thing you're going to see are, um, booster boxes of this game that cost in the thousands of dollars. And you're going to go, what the fuck? And close your browser and go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and that's because it is. So let me explain. First of all, um, there's a lot of discourse online that I see people going on about how expensive the game is. The way legend story studios has chosen to address the collector's and for people that don't know, there are investors, people that invest in collectibles. There are people that invest millions of dollars in Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and, and other collectibles, just like there are people that invest in comic books and graded video games and stuff, right? Right. Um, Legend Story Studios says, hey, we want collectors and investors and stores to want to buy our product because it will become valuable because that puts our product on the market. And so what they do is a first release, unlimited release schedule. So everything they release, every new set comes out first edition and they sell the first edition. And in the first edition boxes, there are special cards that have a special foiling technique that they will not ever repeat. Now, the cards in the unlimited set and in the first edition set are the same cards. But in the first edition, you can maybe open a version of that card that looks slightly different, functionally identical but it looks a little bit different because of that collectible it's collectible so because of that they have created inherent value in their first edition sets and their first two sets when they came out with the game uh didn't sell for shit i think the, the the print run was tiny they were trying to get the game off the ground they were trying to break into all these different game stores i've heard stories i don't know how accurate they are because i haven't heard them from legend story studios themselves but i've heard uh, actually no i did I, I will share one anecdote i heard from from the creator of the game uh, his name's james white is this new zealand gentleman that made the game he said we released the game and i think it was it was in march of 2020 you know uh covid right um it may have been like it was right in that like march to june era one of those months he said 
we did not sell one product. Our sales were uh, zero for a month. Jeez. Um, so they didn't have tremendously high early print runs, especially not for the first edition sets. And so those first edition sets are truly extremely hard to find and limited. <clears throat> so all this to say that they've created collectability in the game by virtue of it being a trading card game there are some cards that are rare and hard to find or legendary rarity and you have to you know track those down or pay more money for them or get excited to open one but they've also created this this release model that creates this collectability for their first edition sets intentionally right so if you're right. an if you're some dude that's like i'm gonna invest in all these cards and sell it for a profit 10 years later or maybe a store that just wants to buy a bunch and sit on them and sell them for extra money whatever the first edition printing is there for you but for those of you listening that want to go play the game there are unlimited ed edition printings of every set available except the newest one it'll be out in a few weeks and the unlimited printing what legend story studios has committed to doing is they will continue printing boxes of the unlimited versions of every single set until they stop getting orders that warrant them putting in an order at the printers. Right. And what that means for players like us, because, I mean, we, we have cards. We're not really interested in the high-end collecting or investing or any of that BS, is it means that for players, you can completely ignore the collectability side of things and just buy the unlimited versions of cards. They're identical they're the exact same cards exact same rarity distribution and they are relatively affordable you know in the realm of of trading card games period <laughs> so i wanted to mention that because if, if you go look the game up after we talk about it and and you're like hey why is a booster box of this 500 dollars? it's not go look at the unlimited version it'll be 60 to 70 bucks yeah, and you can find the unlimited version on multiple online stores. Oh yeah, uh, you can even find it on Amazon for sold through third party. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I did want to mention that collectability and and price and and re release schedule. Um, let's talk about the actual game now that I've got all of that shit out of the way. Okay, <laughs> uh, this was <laughs> developed over seven years. Uh, uh, it was built specifically. Uh, with the core value of being an in-person card game, and they claim that that's where they got the name Flesh and Blood from, is it's a game they want you to play in person with people. Um, Which is kind of ironic, because we haven't yet to play it in <laughs> yeah, person Yeah, we've yet to play other. in person. We've been playing via webcam. Yep. Um, it is a uh, uh, traditionally 1v1 um game in which you pilot a hero you outfit your hero with equipment that they enter the game with and then you take turns playing different various attacks and modifying attacks with different effects to effectively whittle your opponent's health down to zero um what that means as far as like actual game economy and what makes it feel different because when i first heard the description and i don't know if you're the same i went and i i because i heard about the game over a year ago i went and i looked up a rules video and i was like this doesn't seem very standout to me at all i don't i don't think this is for me this looks really boring and simplistic and basic i get that i'm a dude and i'm playing my attack cards and then we just go back and forth till someone dies that seems real easy right 
Uh, I mean, for me, the same video that you're talking about is a video that you had me watch whenever right. uh, you had first gotten into the game. And you were like, hear me out. Just watch this video. <laughs> I do remember. I was like, it's six minutes long. Just watch it. And then we'll play. And then just bear with me. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I watched the video and it didn't like, it just seemed like a regular real card basic game. card game. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't anything to to kind of like be excited about. Yeah. But then we played, well, even then, like we played on Tabletop Simulator. They have some intro decks. They're print and play. They're yeah. available on, on Legend Story Studios' uh, website. You can print out these, like, it's like a 20, 25 card intro deck that has only super basic action cards. So you can just understand the turn structure and the order. Yeah. And so we we played on Tabletop Simulator... And I still didn't really care about the game mm-hmm. after the first playthrough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was a, a normal, like, oh, it's just like, well, this is just another card right. game. And then we jumped into a Blitz game, um, which is one of the formats you can play. Blitz games are shorter and use slightly smaller decks and lower health totals in the yep. interest of, of giving you uh, um, what is effectively a faster version of the, in air quotes, full version of the game, which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes. But yeah, we jumped straight into a Blitz game from the Monarch set, uh, uh, which was, um, we did Prism versus Levia for any existing fans out there that want to know what the matchup was. Which was a terrible matchup. <laughs> Yeah, we learned after the fact that that was possibly the worst matchup of any two existing pre-constructed Blitz decks. Uh, I lost that so bad. Yeah. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just like, I I guess neither of us knew what we were really doing. No. Um, So we we played through that Blitz game, and I think that's when it kind of clicked for both of us, where it's like, oh, there's there's something more here. This This is a relatively complex game. Yeah. Um, and so what, what makes it stand out for me is that, yes, you take turns going back and forth attacking each other. Yes, that's like every other card game basically on planet Earth. Um, but what makes it different is the economy system within the game. So every single card can be spent for between one and three resources. And every single card costs a certain amount of resource. So to play cards in your hand, you have to give up certain cards to pay for the other cards, right? Right. And already that is is a fascinating bit of hand management and constant decision making. Also, the majority of cards you can block attacks with. So it's a lot of really high level constant hand management and and like micro decision making. And when you when you block with cards from your hand, you don't get those back or you don't get to rebuild your hand. <laughs> right before your turn so you have to block with cards figure out what cards you have left over to be able to use right. as resources in in attack with because this is kind of that key forge thing where at the end of your turn you draw back up to your hand limit but you don't do that to the end of your turn so if andrew's attacking me i spend all my cards blocking then on my turn i've got no hand to play with but at the end i get to draw up now what really makes it truly fascinating so you're throwing away cards for resources to spend your cards you want to manage your hand for your blocking and your resource management but the cards you spend are not discarded. They go into what is called a pitch zone. And at the end of your turn, anything in your pitch zone goes onto the bottom of your deck. And what that means is as you are managing your hand and playing a game and making decisions and blocking and attacking, you are stacking your own deck. And you know what's there. 
you're picking the specific order your cards go on the bottom and you are going to cycle through your deck it will happen in the majority of games yep so we've got a relatively simple turn structure interesting resource management you've got very intense hand management all on top of the long game of stacking your deck for that the late game where you you have now cycled through your deck and now you're digging through cards that you've already seen and i think both of us are just now after weeks of pretty regular play getting to the point where we're kind of thinking about what we're putting in our pitch zone and how we're stacking our deck i feel like we're both just now starting to get there, right? Yeah, and I would say I don't even know if I'm there yet. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it is just trying to figure out what I'm going to do in that moment and then like yeah. whatever I'm pitching is... is is whatever you need later yeah Yeah. i've kind of gotten there like um our earlier game earlier tonight we played before the show i was playing some cards that were like if you have less health than your opponent and i was like oh well i want to use that to pitch to pay for stuff so it goes back in my deck because right now i have more health so if i save that for later it'll be more useful later you know so i'm making these value judgments as i'm pitching things as i'm managing my hand as i'm playing the regular game and on top of that um what I love about that basic structure of the game, and I know we're just now into the very basic structure of the game, but what I love about it is it means that, one, you always are going to have resources in your hand. Now, you might spend them on stuff, and then when it comes time to do things, you don't have anything to do, but that's because you've spent them, because you've done actions, right? Right. Um, and what I also love is that that paired with the equipment, so you start the game with multiple pieces of equipment that you get to choose that are always on the field when you start the game that do fancy things. Um, that means that you start the game at your strongest, at your most powerful, and then you eventually whittle each other down until the game just turns into this kind of series of small tempo trades of just trying to get that one leg up and then push through for the win. Um yep. And what I love about that, and I don't want to spend too much time comparing the game to Magic the Gathering because in practice, it really just plays so different that um, thinking about it in comparative terms can actually hurt you. It took me a long time to unlearn a lot of my Magic the Gathering habits going into this. It's just a very different game, gameplay-wise. But what I love about that is that it is the first trading card game that I've played that in my head has deprecated magic to me just gameplay system wise we're not talking like collectability or long-term viability or prices or anything else just as far as the core game system um it's because i've i've played card games my whole life and it's always been like oh yeah that's a pretty good card game i mean it's not magic but i mean nothing is magic but it's a pretty good card game right uh you know like when i played keyforge i was like "Eh, it's fun I mean, I'm not going to give up magic for it, but it's fun, you know? Yeah. And this is the first one where it, the, the design is so slick. It's so satisfying. It's, it's so many constant nonstop decisions that it, what it feels like to me is for anyone that's played a lot of, a lot of magic the gathering and then I'll get away from magic. I swear. And then I'll let Andrew talk. I swear for anyone that's played a lot of magic the gathering um when you play at a real high skill level which i don't have but occasionally i'll get in a good game with a good deck that i'm very good at against a very good opponent and in the middle of the game you both realize that you both know what each other has and you're both playing to your strengths and you're just making really good decisions and the gameplay is just really good and every action has meaning and weight behind it 
Um, so when you play really good games of magic, the, you'll sometimes get there in a game. And when you do, it's so satisfying. It's why people love competitive play because they get to stay in that zone longer, right? Right. Flesh and blood starts you in that zone and you never exit it. It's, it's that, it's that high level. Everything is a meaningful, impactful decision that I am making one after another, after another, it exists entirely in that zone just as a system. And I think that's what has immediately deprecated the just the idea of magic where it's like, okay, you start with no resources and then you eventually ramp your way up to making some decisions that matter. It just feels so slow and stodgy and dated. And it is. Magic is like, it's it's a 30-year-old game at this point. It is right. slow and stodgy and old and dated and bloated and weird. Um, but this is the first game that has made me really feel that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I mean, I gave up Magic a long time ago. Right, but uh, not because the, you didn't like the game, you just drifted away from it. I just didn't want to spend money on it anymore, and I and yeah. I hated the rotating formats, and mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense to spend money on something that, that would rotate is eventually out. going yes. to go away. Well, and then um, in Magic, you can obviously get into Eternal formats, but you have to basically like sell what you have and buy into those because the formats are so disparate in Magic that they might as well be different games a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, by the time that I got kind of got back into Magic, I mean, we did a lot of like, you know, Magic Online um, where we yeah. bought some decks and, and yeah. played Commander. Yeah, um, and I do. I, Commander is still probably in my top three favorite magic the gathering formats i love commander it's it's just an absolute blast you know um um after that maybe maybe popper popper and commander are the two that that i still get a lot of enjoyment out of i mean popper was a lot of fun and i mean we i guess uh, on magic online we did mtgo we did play <clears throat> some popper on there as yep. well i mean that was yep. the the most that i spent on a on magic in a long time was right. was buying decks on there um but whenever i play in person at this point it's it's with everybody else's cards so right i don't and everyone is aware that i don't have my own cards and i'm not yeah. gonna buy my own cards and i'm not gonna spend money to buy a a, a deck yeah but then this came around and now i'm spending money i kind of had like a moment <laughs> just now, just now where i'm like what have i done like yeah what what uh, have i done what am I going to do with all these cards? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is build decks. And right. Then, uh, well, I think that's the other thing there. is, is be because the game is full of so many decisions, um, your deck, there are no dead cards in your deck. I mean, I like, I don't want to call a land and a magic deck, a dead card, but half your fucking deck is cards. That's like, what does it do? It's a forest. Okay. What does that do? It produces a forest. And then I could, you know what I mean? Like right. my whole deck end to end is cool, exciting, fun cards that lead to good, fun decisions. So deck building is very exciting. I'm very bad at it, but it's very exciting. And right. e even after just a couple games, and this never happens to me, I'm not a deck builder. I'm the guy that looks up a deck online and builds it and just learns how to pilot it. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that you don't like. Not you, but like, you know, in general, in the world, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, me specifically. You specifically. Uh, but even after our very first game of of Flesh and Blood, our first like real Blitz game, um, I was like, man, this is, ex I want to, I want to build something in this. This is exciting to me. It's immediately accessible and interesting 
and I want to make something. I personally do, you know? Yeah. I'm excited for building a, and, and I guess we'll get into formats. Here yeah, a bit, let's talk but, formats. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited for doing a constructed deck, which is one of the formats, classic so, constructed. I do want to start by saying, um, and this is just kind of a note on price, because there ha- we have a, a Flesh and Blood channeler in Discord, and some people bring up price. Yep. There are some cards in the game that are like 150 bucks, $180 card. Um, and I, I did want to mention that like... And these are the unlimited versions. Right. Like... Yeah. If if you are playing like hardcore, I'm going to a road to nationals event because again there is there's organized play, um, there are national tournaments, there's prize like prize support for 2022 is like a million dollars. Like they are really pushing the like. There's going to be a flesh and blood pro tour. There's going to be a national circuit. There's going to be organized high level play that you can watch, which is something Hasbro has been pulling away from with Magic. And then I'll quit talking about Magic. Um, <laughs> None of the formats in Flesh and Blood are rotating. The game is built from the ground up to have an eternal card pool. There are bans and stuff. You know, they've already had to ban two or three cards. Um, So there is a ban list for each format. But they're building the game with the intent of this will never rotate. So let's talk about Magic the Gathering for a minute. Again? Um, Yeah, I'm sorry I said I wouldn't. (laughs) If you go and you buy a competitive level, this is going to top eight me, a high-level tournament magic deck in a format that does not rotate. And the cheapest one that you could do that for is probably the modern format. You're going to spend between like $400 to maybe $1,800. And I have checked. I have These are real numbers I'm giving you. Um, to build a like a highly competitive, this will win tournaments, non-rotating Magic the Gathering deck. And if I you was go, say those sounded like real numbers. So. <laughs> they are. They're real numbers. <laughs> and if you go back, um, because it's even modern to any Flesh and Blood format, isn't even really a fair comparison. Because for people that don't know, the modern format Magic the Gathering, you can't use all of the cards. It's like from this date forward, we use these cards. But if you yeah. want to play with cards from all of Magic's history, you're talking at the very least the legacy format, which is is it's, that's the one that gets up into the tens of thousands of dollars per deck because it's got the crazy, insane early cards from Magic's history that you can't get. So yeah. I'm not trying to say that if you are the kind of person that like, oh, a TCG, I love it, but I only play high level competitive. I need to win tournaments. That's where I find my fun and that's valid. And they have support for that. Then um, the decks are comparatively on the same level as something like a Magic the Gathering or a Pokemon deck from non-rotating formats. Um, maybe on like the cheaper end of the modern thing. You know, you'll spend like uh, uh, hundreds of dollars for like these highly yeah. tuned competitive level tournament cards. Um, so I did want to put that out there. If you're the kind of person that you're like, I want to get into a TCG, but I only exist to play at large nationals tournament events, then the decks aren't cheap. They're on par with other TCGs, but they're not cheap. You know, that said, I don't think either of us has felt any drive to purchase a card that costs more than $5. You know, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> There's uh, been a couple I, cards where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll get that. But it's like $3, you know. I think I looked at buying a, a deck at one point, like a pre Yeah, like deck, one you found online. Yeah. But, uh, buy a deck that I found online. And I think it was like. 80 bucks yeah which 60 bucks something like that you know 60 to 80 bucks for a card that or a deck that will never rotate that you could feasibly play forever um 
is that's not a bad price in the trading card game world. Now, some people hear that price and they go, this is no, hell no, it's not for me. At the end of the day, this is a collectible game. It does have collectible game prices attached to it. Um, but I guess my point is that they are not outrageous for the space they're in. Um, so let's talk formats. When the game came out, it had classic constructed format, which was 60 card deck, 20 card sideboard. You present your hero and then you both rifle through your sideboard to equip your hero appropriately against your opponent. And then you play with your 60 card deck. Yep. Uh, games of that allegedly take around an hour ish. It is best of one. There is no mulligan. Um, and the game it just kind of went that way for two two sets. They had the original set, Welcome to Wraith, and then the second set, Arcane Rising. Oh, pardon me, three sets, because then they had the third set, Crucible of War. And then with the Monarch set, they introduced a format called Blitz. And Blitz was supposed to be the introductory format um, because you start with half as much health, you start with a smaller deck, and the games are faster. You can knock out a Blitz game in under probably 25 minutes. It's it's weird that they didn't have the Blitz format until Monarch, since there were young heroes before then. That's true. Um, I don't really know. I think young heroes were for, for limited play, I believe. Okay. Um, because there is booster draft play and sealed deck play. Sealed, you get six packs, you open them, you build a deck. Booster draft is just it's pick one, pass it, and then you build your deck. Um, yeah. But Blitz was, was I believe, I, I could be wrong, I believe Blitz was introduced in, with Monarch. Um, and with Monarch, they started introducing pre-constructed Blitz decks that you just go buy. They're 12 bucks, and it comes with an already-made pre-constructed Blitz deck. And they work. Deck. They do work, and this is fascinating to me. In the Magic the Gathering space, I know I keep... You know what? Let's just talk about Pokemon. We'll talk about Pokemon. Yeah. Talk about in the trading card game space, the Yu-Gi-Oh space, all the card games... Pre-constructed decks are kind of generally regarded as sort of trash. It's like, okay, they're a good introductory thing, I guess, if you're just learning how to play the game, but don't fucking, like, really play with it, right? Um, the Blitz decks, as far as we can tell, are they're pretty good Blitz decks. They include good cards. They play well. They've got good synergy. Um, they're, they're, just, they're just put together really well, and they're dirt cheap. eleven ninety nine. Yeah. you know, for, for a, a playable deck in any format in a card game. Like, you probably won't win a Blitz tournament with it, you know, but they're but you'll still play good with your decks. friends. Yeah. Um, there's also Ultimate Pit Fight, which is kind of their answer to, like, the Commander format. It's multiplayer. Um, it's, 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 I don't think it's, I don't think they do tournaments. I don't think it's like officially sanctioned, but they support it in that they have the rules on their website and you can read about it. So if you're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to play this unless I can convince my commander group, then there is Ultimate Pit Fight, which is their multiplayer format. Again, all these formats are totally non-rotating. There's no rotation. Your deck isn't going to get old. They're not going to be like, okay, forget that thing. The, they do have a release valve built in called the Living Legend status, which is if a specific hero wins a certain number of tournaments and it's like if it wins the world tournament like three times or something then yeah. they will retire that hero from the game i mean you can still play it with your friends but you right can't play. Uh, obviously you know they can't make you, you can not play, play with it at home yep they're gonna come to my house they're gonna take it from they're gonna self-destruct yeah. um and, and those cards. i do love that because one um heroes are not 
they're not uncommon. Heroes are some of the most common cards in the game. You're going to end up with a lot of heroes as you open packs. They're at token rarity, which means, you know, you get a token in every pack of a regular set of, of flesh and blood. That's um, not Crucible. That's not Crucible, which is a supplementary set. And so your hero dictates how you build your deck. Um, so your hero has a class. Your deck can only contain cards that are generic, so used by any class, or cards that are specifically for your class. So if you're like, all right, I got Azalea. She's a ranger. I got her a bow. I got her a scarf. I got her a helmet. I got her some boots. Then you can put in generic cards and ranger cards to construct your, your deck for her. Um, now there are multiple heroes of each class at this point except for some of the newer ones they're still kind of that we're still early in the game right um yeah. but if if your favorite rune blade hero gets eventually gets living legend because that hero has gotten first place in three national tournaments in a row or four however many it takes it takes it's a lot of winning like top tier to reach right. there, then there's another rune blade you can just slot in. You know, it's not like you can't play that class anymore. They have multiple heroes of each class. Um, we should mention <laughs> we've not played classic constructed yet, and I feel like it's it's weird because when I hear people that have been into flesh and blood since the beginning, they're like, "Oh, blitz? No, I play real flesh and blood. Classic constructed yeah. is like fake flesh and blood," and I get what they mean. Because you mean in, Blitz is like fake flesh. Yeah, Blitz is like fake flesh and blood. Classic construct. That's the real one. Um, and I hear this sentiment, and I heard someone explain it, and they were like, "Look, in Classic Constructed, it's a long game. You will cycle your deck like three times. Jeez. So you really need to pay attention to pitching and stacking. Which in Blitz, you do have to pay attention to it, but it's not like your primary concern in the early game, right? Right." Um, so the, the strategies even for the, the two different formats, as much as they look like, well, Blitz is just half the size of Classic Constructed, gameplay-wise, it is allegedly very different. We have yet to play Classic Constructed because we've just been having so much fun doing sealed and opening packs and playing Blitz. We've not even thought much about Constructed. I mean, I've thought about it. I've thought mm. about wanting to do it. Right. <laughs> um, but I, don't I want think to I, want to do it. I don't think we have enough cards just yet like I think maybe we, now we, we do, do now as we've been opening stuff yeah so as far as like um where you should start i mean go pick up a blitz deck currently there's seven different blitz decks on the market go i mean they're 11.99 even on amazon where they're marked up you can get one for like 15 bucks go pick yeah. two of them up go rope in some old magic the gathering friend you got or whatever your old pokemon friend and be like hey let's learn this new card game and for like 22 bucks you can have functioning blitz decks that you can you know modify and start taking to tournaments if you want to for blitz tournaments i don't, I don't know why i thought for some reason you were saying they have to be old <laughs> yeah gotta get an old person. person and be like hey come here and play this card game and then when they're like oh what you just hammer them into the ground right you just beat the crap out of them um but but yeah it's 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 been interesting. Um, I'm excited to try like regular classic constructed. I just did just want to put it out there. So for any like, if there are any people listening, maybe new listeners that are like, oh, I like flesh and blood. I've been playing since the beginning. For them to hear that we've only played Blitz and Sealed, they'll probably yeah. be like, oh, you haven't even played the game yet. Like you've not even started the game. We've tried. <laughs> well, I guess we haven't tried. But there's just, we're, there's we're so much there. meat on that bone that I don't, I don't even care how slow it's taking how slow yeah. i'm going you know i'm just i'm enjoying every every step on the ladder up 
that I don't. I've now mixed my analogies. Meat on a bone. So I'm climbing a ladder to eat the meat off this bone. Eat, eat, eat the bone. Meat. And I'm enjoying. And with each rung of the ladder, I'm taking another bite of the meat. <laughs> so. This is the weirdest. <laughs> what if we don't like it? Don't like what? Classic constructed. <laughs> then we could just never play it again. I oh. mean, like. <laughs> um. I think we're still kind of finding our play styles, the heroes we like, the stuff we like. And, and I mean, I, I, one, one thing that I do love about deck building in this game is that, um, it is kind of restrictive, you know, compared to something like magic, the gathering where it's like, I don't know, put all the colors in who cares, idiot. You know, like it's, there's no, (laughs) you know, there's nothing to stop you from just jamming everything into one thing. Right. And, and that's why I don't deck build in a lot of games because it's so open that, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to build a deck. And you're like, all right, well, what's your thesis? What do you want your deck to do? And I'm like, win. And they're like, but we, how does it want to win? And I'm like, yeah. by not losing, you know, like I, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not creative. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Flesh and blood. It's like, all right, we'll pick a hero. Well, that's easy to do. You look at him and you go, I don't know. That guy looks cool. Or, or look at this lady over here. She's awesome. I'm going to play this person. Um, and you just pick one and you go, all right, well, that immediately limits my card pool down to my class and generics. So all I'm looking at is these two pools of cards. Well, you want to start with your class cards because they're going to probably be more specific to your character because each character has their own special ability. So you pick out all your class cards and you go, all right, well, I need to build a 40 card deck, which is Blitz. I've picked out 20 class cards. Now I just go pick out. 20 generic cards that seem to support the same sort of thing and i've built a deck i'm done right yeah um and i love how quickly decks come together i'm the person that i don't like deck building in magic the gathering in any other game to the point that i'll build my one deck and i go okay it is now complete i shall never alter it and it shall exist in this state for all eternity (laughs) like once i've played it a bit and verified they like yes it works it can win a game it technically works i'm just like that matters um, I'm putting blitz decks together and and like messing around with them and disassembling them before we even use them at this point. It's so quick to just jam the shit together and be like, this looks good. I'm going to do this. And then I yeah. shuffle it and I draw some hands and I go, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. And I take it apart and I put it, you know. <laughs> um, something about that limitation of like, well, if you're playing a brute, you can only play brute cards. And it's like, oh, well, I don't need to look at 70,000 cards. You know, I just look at... Yeah, I just need to look at the brute cards. Yeah, just the brute cards. And then, all right, well, brutes want to hit real hard with big stuff. So I'll go find some generic actions that are hit real hard with big stuff. And then we'll call we'll call that a day. Call it a day. So I, I, I've, I've, I've been really enjoying the deck building, I think, is what I'm getting around to. Um, I think I've, I've enjoyed it. Just the, like you're saying, the aspect that it's just so easy to Mm -hmm. to put stuff together you can just i remember whenever we first did it and i was like well i have this archer or this uh ranger yeah uh so i just need ranger cards and then some generic cards and bam i've got a deck and that's that's all i do well if you're playing sealed which is where you just open six packs and you each build deck out of it you know you look at it and you're like all right well uh i want to build you know a guardian i've got a bravo and i want to build him he's got a big hammer i got his hammer and i got the guy i've got 12 guardian cards so i guess i'm using all of those you know yeah um it it just it comes together so fast and and it also makes it easier because i I don't like limited formats in, in things like magic you know uh because it's it's hard for me it's just a lot of different cards and a lot of it is just like 
really assessing those cards in those limited formats. And maybe I'm selling it short. Maybe there's people out there that love limited formats and they're like, oh, this sounds too restrictive. I don't like this. I want to be able to use anything. Yeah. Um, if that's you, then okay. But uh, uh, I, I do like the limitation that it has uh, where it's like, no, no, no. You, you, you're playing your class. You picked your class. Um, it also makes you intimately familiar with like good cards from your class. You're like, oh yeah, I play Ranger. I know all the good Ranger cards. I'm aware of like the best cards you want to put in your deck. And then what I also love is different heroes of the same class will play completely differently. Yeah. Which is really cool. You know, it's not this thing where you're kind of railroaded into like, well, they do, you know, all ninjas do this, you know, uh, you can kind of build it up differently with, with, you know, uh, little tweaks in different heroes and different equipment and things. And, and I, I do really appreciate that, the flexibility that provides. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about uh, Felt Table in, in the different ways. Oh, to play yeah. The game. Um, so, of course, uh, Legend Story Studios has basically committed to hey, we are not going to make a digital version of this game. We are not going to transition to a digital version of the game. There's no app. There's no whatever. There's no free to play system in some Hearthstone like thing. They're like, we're, that's not what we're about. Um, they built the game from the ground up to work specifically with local game stores. They sell to, and to be played in the flesh and the blood. They sell to distributors that sell to local game stores. They don't sell direct to Amazon or Target or anything like that. Again, like you said, you can find them on Amazon, but if you scroll down, it's always sold by and then the name of a game store. Um, and and all that said, we are living in the COVID times right now. Yes. And I hope that you're listening in the future when there is no COVID times uh, and it's gone. But right now we're in them. And that means that, uh, for like Andrew said, for a game called Flesh and Blood, we've played almost exclusively over webcam. Not even almost. It is exclusively over webcam. I played Except a game with someone in our Discord the simulator. other Yeah, we did play. There is a tabletop simulator module. I highly recommend it if you just want to play around with it and get into it. Um, it's it It works well. It works really well. Um, it lets you auto generate stuff. You can pull in deck lists from online directly. You can, it's got all the pre-built decks already in it. So you can just generate decks and play with them. What I've found interesting is, and, and I mentioned this in the top of the show when I was talking about spell table and saying, I've had a hard time playing stuff like magic via webcam is flesh and blood works really good via webcam. And and I was kind of shocked by that because I, I yeah. kind of roped you in. I was like, we'll play with webcam. And I could tell you're like, yeah, I don't I don't fucking know ab- yeah. <laughs> about that. I don't have the best webcam. So, no. Um, but the thing of it is the way the game works, you don't do a lot of interacting with the other person's board state. So it's not a lot of me like targeting your equipment or your hand or picking stuff out of your hand, you know. my interaction with you is through my attack it's all funneled down into this one specific action that you are reacting to um and that makes it so easy over webcam you know uh and 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 so we've been primarily playing through that and i've grown to where i prefer that to tabletop simulator i prefer to sit at my desk with my actual cards and play via webcam with you rather than uh uh log into tabletop simulator same there is also another website I recommend, and I really recommend this if you're kind of struggling to learn the game. Um, for me, I've been playing Magic for 20 years, and so it was very hard for me to transition to this game because it is, it's it's just so different that I, I genuinely struggle to think about card games in the way that sometimes Flesh and Blood demands I think about card games. Um, 
and it's felt table. So it's 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 uh, uh, basically you play against an AI. Someone has made this website, and and you go there. You can load up two deck lists and then play against the computer. And the computer's pretty good. I mean, the computer beats me a lot of the time. Yeah, it's not a way to play online multiplayer or anything like that. Um, but it is a way to test out decks and it does enforce the rules. So it helps you understand turn structure and stuff. Um, when we started, we were, we were both pretty rough on like when certain actions occur, the order things happen in, and every time we would play a game, I would go play that same matchup on felt table with the same decks and look for things I did wrong. You know, things where I'm like, oh, I played that wrong. Or, oh, I thought this happened before that action, but it happens after that action. Just little things like that. Um, Felt Table is great for. But even more than that, it's just a nice UI. It's a very good-looking website. It functions really well. It has cool animations. Like, it just, it works really good. It's nice. I have not used it yet. You've not even loaded it up once? Not even once. Oh, man, it's so good. It really, I, I, you know, because when you when you hear about it, you're like, that's just this website this guy made. You're like, all right, well, it's gonna be kind of lame and clunky. It's not. It's very slick. I mean, it's mm. it's it's like it gives me arena vibes, like Magic the Gathering arena vibes, where it's just it's okay. well animated. It's a well made website. It loads a little slow, I think, because he's getting hammered. Like he probably can't afford his hosting fees, so you might consider supporting yeah. him. But um, uh, uh, yeah, it's felt table works real. They have other games too. I know they have ashes. Um, I think they have, uh, some other stuff on there. It's just, that's what the website is. Play against an AI, you know, to kind of, kind of learn the game, uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. I don't think I've gotten there quite yet. <laughs> I th- yeah. I think you're there. You're there. Do, do they have uh full constructed or is it? Just oh yeah. Decks? They got constructed decks. Oh man. Oh yeah. So I take it back. I've played one constructed game against the computer and uh it's a it's a whole different ballpark man you're it's as soon as you start playing you're like oh this is different this is real yeah. different you wouldn't think just cranking up the number of cards and the, the amount of health would make that big of a difference um because the adult versions of heroes yes they have twice as much health but the abilities are usually the same as the young versions. in fact i think they right. are the exact same it's just higher health and they look older on the card but immediately like you get a couple turns in and you're like oh fuck this is <laughs> yeah i really was like it's just gonna be blitz but longer it's not at all it, it really does i i did like 10 minutes of it and then closed it because i was like i i loaded it up and i played it and i was like i'm not ready i'm not ready for this i, <laughs> I gotta fucking shut it off and do something else yeah maybe you I'll, know maybe i'll load it up and do a constructed and if i have an hour so i feel like we have kind of just now at the end of the show gotten to we've explained the game i think yeah. we've i think we've gotten to the point where we can hope that our listeners have have a, a reasonable understanding of the basics of the game and how it works and why we think it's special and why we're enjoying it now we can talk about the game next time ne- <laughs> <laughs> i mean we could start we could teaser it a bit you know we, yeah. we get into it a little bit um so the newest set is out and it is tales of aria it's currently only in first edition unlimited is going to come i think late late october early november i think is when unlimited hits um no and and it also came with three new blitz decks and uh some new things it introduced the fusion system 
where you can play a card and fuse it with a certain element to make it stronger. And I think my favorite Blitz deck I've played so far has been Old Him. But of course, it's the Blitz version, so it's the young version of Old Him. So we've been calling him Young Him. And yeah. apparently that's not new. We didn't come up with that. Other people on the internet are also calling him oh, Young Him. Oh, no. So we're not creative or interesting at oh, all. Oh, God. Um, but Oldham has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, he's just a big hammer man. He's got a big old hammer, and he's going to hit you really hard with it, and it's going to hurt a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and hopefully you won't block it, because then you'll be dead. Um, but he also, his whole thing is he he kind of slows the flow of the game down. Um, oh, yeah. And and I re- it's it's I I started playing him because people are like oh he's a control deck and in my head I'm like oh I play magic I know what control is control is is you know complete denial it's like oh I'm gonna play this no you're not I have a card that says you don't get to play your card um, right. and that's how magic works <laughs> but in flesh and blood you don't really have cards that are just like cancel that card it doesn't exist so control is more like starving your opponent of resources making things more expensive pulling cards out of their hand as much as you can to just sort of slow everything down enough that you can hit them real hard with your hammer and that's his whole game and i love it um because you you come in with like some of the faster characters like you have the lexi deck and she's real fast every turn lots of actions lots of arrows coming out and uh i i really enjoy that matchup because i just get to lumber in and slowly take my time doing shit and then trying to hit you real hard one time with my hammer and killing you like that's that's he's the zangief of of flesh and blood (laughs) you know yeah lexi's probably my favorite deck so far yeah so i'll probably be picking up an aria box whenever that comes out yeah now i know um interestingly enough um when first edition came out for welcome to wraith and arcane uh box prices went crazy uh for first edition because again they just didn't make a lot of them because why would they no one was fucking buying it right right um but for all the subsequent sets um like monarch came out and the price for first edition went crazy and it settled around the like two three hundred dollar range um crucible's kind of doing the same uh tales of aria came out and the price is settling like it's getting down toward a hundred bucks for a first edition box of tales of aria. Like it was $111 today. Um, and granted that's still almost twice as expensive as most, most unlimited boxes are 60 to 70 bucks, you know? So we're still talking a good bit more, but, um, if the first edition price is going to regularly be in that sub like $120 range, like, I'm kind of okay picking up first edition at that cost. You know, uh, I'm right. coming from the magic, the gathering world where booster boxes under a hundred dollars are a rarity for like regular booster boxes, Yep. you know, and to be picking up first edition, get it a month early and, and be playing that. Like, um, I'm excited about that. Like I might pick up another tales for a hundred bucks. Yeah. You already picked up a tales, didn't you? I did. I picked up a tales, um, because that was the first box I ever bought because I happened to get into the game. Like, the week that Tales of Aria came out, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get in on first edition this thing, and I'll go back and buy Unlimited for all the other ones because I'm not paying the exorbitant prices. Yeah. Um, and now I've got a subscription. So every t- so the, the release schedules, they, they say every three months. So four times a year, they're going to come out with a set. And presumably okay. Blitz decks with it. The last two sets have had Blitz decks come out with them. Um, but... So when did Aria come out? When did the f- September twenty fourth was Aria? 
Okay. So I think um, sometime in the next few weeks, maybe November, we're going to get Arya Unlimited. Uh, and then I suppose first edition of whatever the next set is going to be December, January kind of range. Cause that'll be a few months after September. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, January, February, we'll be getting unlimited for that one. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> for what's going to come. Uh, right now we don't know anything. They've been real good about, uh, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they send out lots of preview cards and things like this is a trading card for people that don't play trading cards whenever you're coming up to a new set, they'll send special exclusive preview cards to different outlets, YouTube channels, podcasts, whatever, um, to reveal. And normally what card games do is they do preview season. And then like three weeks before the set comes out, all you already know all the cards in it. You've seen every card. It's already cataloged on the website. People are already pre-ordering them, whatever. Um, they've been real good about, they'll tease cards up until, but they do it right before the set comes out and they don't preview everything. You know, they'll just randomly put an exclusive alternate art version of a card randomly in some boxes that's like crazy expensive immediately because it's a special alternate art version. We don't know where it came from. They didn't say anything about it. Someone just fucking opened it and they're like, what is this? You know, (laughs) Um, and they've done it multiple times now with the Monarch set, you know, Chain, his weapon Galaxy Black. Uh-huh. They released an alternate version of Galaxy Black. It's the same card, again, functionally the same, but it's different art. And they didn't say anything. They're just like, yeah, it's, it was, someone's like, well, look at this one, you know. <laughs> um, that was their voice, too. They have, yeah, they have another card, Twinning Blade, uh, that they released a version that um, uh, looks like a playing card. So it's got this dude holding a sword, and it looks like a like a playing card, like the top half of a, you know, like the royal suite on a playing card. Right. And they just mirrored it, so the whole card looks like that. Oh, and they just sweet. they just fuck it. They're just like, I don't know, random. One in every 400 boxes. Here you go. It's out there. And they yeah. didn't say anything. People just started opening it. And it was that same guy. I was like, what is that? It's the same <laughs> you know, super lucky guy. Um, so w- what I love about it is is it for people that didn't play card games in the 90s, they were, I mean, massive. We will never reach the amount of card games on the market that we had in the 90s, like the late 90s, early 2000s. There were dozens of them. And um, what was fun about card games in the 90s is, you know, into the early 2000s is cards weren't instantly cataloged online and you could go look up pictures of every single card, pre-order them, look at the prices of everything and track everything on this perfect like graph that updates in real time. So there was this, you know, and this is what's fun about collectible games is there was this sense of discovery of there's something, some stuff out there that you don't know that you're not expecting that you're not prepared for, you know, and that's a really exciting prospect, you know, to, to feel this sense of like discovery and interesting things like, there could be cards out there in sets that are so rare and so hard to find, like special, amazing one-off art variants in some box sitting in some warehouse somewhere that someone won't open for 15 years. We have no fucking idea, right? We don't, we don't know. Um, but I wouldn't put it past legend story studios because they release their, their, if you go to their website, you can go to the collector's center and they'll, they, they list things like exact print runs of unlimited versions they list how many, so like in in every so many packs, you're going to get like a rare or whatever, right? <clears throat> so I'm right. looking right now at Tales of Aria, and it says um, the rarities, you've got a token, you get one in every pack. A foil, you get a foil in every pack. You get 12 commons per pack, 1.75 rares per pack, so between one and two rares per pack. 
Um, you get a Majestic, one per four packs, and you get a Legendary, one per 88 packs. So well, that's once Jeez. every couple boxes, right? And then right. they have Fabled cards. Fabled cards, there's only one in every set, and it is one per question mark packs. And people are, are trying to run the numbers to see like how many boxes per legend fabled card is there and what i love about this is so far none of the fabled cards have been like tournament viable they're yeah. interesting cards they look different from all the other cards they're sideways which is weird and they're locations oh, um that exist within the lore of the game and if you're a, a, a the kind of person like me that used to get into the lore of magic the gathering this game has a ton of lore stories all over the website huge backgrounds on all the characters the locations it's really interesting if you're a lore person um, in these fabled cards, it's just like one in several hundred booster boxes and they don't preview them. They don't say anything about them. They just wait till someone opens them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, someone at the worldwide, the, I, I believe it was the calling, which is they call their road to nationals tournaments. Um, Las Vegas was tales of Aria sealed and someone opened the fabled card from tales of Aria at that sealed event. Oh, nice. And again, it wasn't previewed. Nobody knows what the card is. And it, it was just, it's just this, uh, the same guy like, oh, what is this? Just opening some crazy, <laughs> no one's ever seen it. You know, it's, it's, it's extremely rare. It's cool. It's not really something you need for a tournament. Like none of the fabled cards have been like, oh yeah, if you're playing tournament play, you got to have that. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's just a neat thing. It's just these little these little touches, having really deep lore, having weird fabled cards that maybe one day you'll open one, not knowing what everything is. Like they're so perfectly evoking that like late '90s trading card game feel, but doing it in a way that works in 2021, right? Because they could easily just do it that old shitty way, you know, yeah. where the way they used to do it back then, but they're not. Like, they're aware of all the factors and they're playing into them perfectly to still evoke that sort of, that sort of feeling of, of excitement, right? And wonder. And wonder. Um, it's nice. Yeah. So um, it, it just makes me perpetually excited for opening packs for new products, for seeing, just seeing someone go, hey, this new set came out and look, people are opening this weird alternate art version thing. Like, how cool is that? It's very cool. I didn't even know about that. So that's oh, yeah. Exciting. I'll show you. The Twinning Blade is really cool. The the alt art Galaxy Black is really cool, too. Although I'm, I'm excited for both of them. And again, functionally identical to the normal ones that you can get much more easily they're just a cool bonus that they just were like we're gonna do this we guess nice well we'll talk more flesh and blood uh most likely next episode <laughs> again um as as we'll get into whatever we actually like about the game and hopefully we've played con some constructed by then i do want to say um, if if um one next episode we'll probably be talking talking more in depth about the game and the gameplay and decks and you know now that we've introed you but two yeah. if you want to play either via tabletop simulator via webcam or you just want someone to teach you i'm happy to do it you know come jump in our discord and play some webcam games with us um um you know i'll teach you the game i'll, I'll we, we can get on tabletop simulator i'll show you how stuff works and and you know we, we hang out with us i mean at this point multiple of us are talking flesh and blood all day every day in the flesh yeah. and blood channel it's 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 been it's been a lot of fun so if you're like a hey, very active flesh yeah, and blood it's channel. the most active channel 
Yeah. Uh, so if you just maybe you already know about the game and you just want to come play with some people who are super casual, please don't come stomp us. Please don't come like spike our, our tournament or whatever. <laughs> you know, um, uh, uh, I'd be happy if you came and like gave us some pointers, you know. Um, but if you're like, yeah, I want to get this game or, oh, it sounds fun or, oh, you know, I just want to learn it on Tabletop Simulator, then come show up. I'll, I'll, I'll teach it to you. I got nothing going yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, cool. Well, go check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash boardgamebarbarians. We have an Instagram at boardgamebarbarians. Uh, our Discord, as we've mentioned multiple times, we have a Flesh and Blood channel that's very active. Hey, we have a um, Flesh and Blood channel. It's very active. It's very active. <laughs> um, and then always, please go rate and review us on iTunes. It helps out a lot. And Justin, remember what is best in life. It's board games. Board games. But also, also card games, too. And Flesh and Blood. It's a tabletop all of the things but it's board games board games okay goodbye bye, bye. <laughs>